we're going to begin where I left off yesterday. I began reading an article by my guest, Wim Indahl, and it dealt with vaccines that have the potential, either by intent or unintentionally, to cause women to become infertile, in effect, a form of sterilization. And the person sponsoring this in the largest way with $10 billion over 10 years is the richest man in the world, Bill Gates. I didn't have a chance to get far into the discussion, so I thought what better way to discuss this than to invite William Dahl, who for the past 30 years has been one of our most important investigative reporting scholars. He's uncovered the hidden motives behind corporate globalization and geopolitics, oil, genetically modified food, and vaccine controversies. He's living in Germany, and uh, his essays are crucial to a lot of the people who want to see a different point of view. He is the author of the very important book, Seeds of Destruction, The Hidden Agenda for Genetically Modified Organisms, that details how corporate control of the planet's food resources through the free market scheme threatens humanity. And more recently, he published Full Spectrum Dominance, Totalitarian Democracy in the New World Order. William recently published an important essay that listeners should read, Bill Gates on Vaccines to Reduce Population. The essay unveils some horrendous attempts by pro-genetic companies and vaccine makers to introduce ingredients in their products that were for all intents and purposes create infertility and reduce reproduction. Behind the scenes is none other than Bill Gates. Nice to have you with us today. Well, I'm uh, glad to be here with you, Gary. Okay, let's begin by putting this in perspective. And then take your time. There'll be no interruptions and no commercials. To, to give us the evidence, and the key to start with for credibility is to be able to support the evidence that you have that directly ties back either to the vaccine manufacturers and or to the Gates Foundation. The world is rapidly approaching a point where many people feel that the resources necessary to provide some quality of life for each of the individuals is substantially diminishing. And therefore, some form of population control is necessary. The advocacy that the Chinese have had in other countries has worked somewhat and fairly well in some countries. But what you're talking about is something different. You're suggesting that through mass vaccination programs, which are well accepted throughout the world, especially in poorer countries, because no one ever questions the safety or efficacy of vaccine, there's an assumption that if a vaccine is given to a poor person in a third world country, it's given specifically to protect them from some uh, contaminant, some virus, bacteria that would otherwise hurt them. And you're suggesting or stating that by having different ingredients in the vaccines, that the ultimate outcome would be that the person would have a difficult, if not impossible, time to procreate. Now, since this is not suggested, uh, this is not uh, discussed with the person who's getting the vaccine, then they do not have informed consent. And then to do any form of medical intervention or experimentation on a group of people without their knowledge or consent would violate international treaties. 
and hence any signatory to that international treaty must consider that equal to any law within that uh, sovereign country. So then we have to ask, what is the evidence that this is occurring? Who knows about this? Is this an unintentional consequence of what's in vaccines? Or in your opinion, and what evidence do you have, that this was intentional? Could you lay out your evidence now for us, please? Surely. Uh, let's go back to the early 1990s when an organization, a Catholic lay organization in Mexico called Comité Provida de México, uh, became suspicious at a mass vaccination program by the World Health Organization. Uh, they became suspicious for tetanus. I, I should add for tetanus. Uh, you know, the, you step on a rusty nail and you can get lockjaw and uh, all sorts of horrendous things. Uh, so the vaccination program aroused suspicion because it was being applied, this new WHO vaccine was being applied only to women between ages 14 and 45, i.e. women in the potential childbearing ages, and not at all to men. Well, uh, men are just as likely, if not more so, uh, working outdoors and uh, whatnot in third world countries to uh, to step on a rusty nail as women. So the uh, Pro Comité uh, Pro Vida took a sample of this vaccine and took it to an independent lab. This was in the early 90s. And they found that the vaccine contained human chondrionic uh, gonadotrophin, HCG. And they said this is very bizarre for a vaccine intended to protect people against lockjaw uh, because HCG is a natural hormone needed to maintain pregnancy. But if you combine it with a tetanus toxoid carrier, they found that it stimulated formation of antibodies against HCG, and that made the woman incapable of maintaining pregnancy, a form of de facto concealed abortion. And similar reports appeared in of HCG hormones uh, in tetanus vaccines in the Philippines and Nicaragua and other countries. The WHO was confronted with this. They attempted to deny it. Uh, the evidence and the laboratory results were presented in a press conference by Comité Provida. They couldn't deny it, and they said, well, perhaps this was a sloppy batch that you uh, tested. Uh, it turns out that the tetanus vaccine had been a research project financed by the Rockefeller Foundation, among others, for a period of almost 25 to 30 years to perfect a tetanus vaccine that would make a woman incapable of maintaining a present pregnancy without her knowledge. That's, that's only one example. I wrote the, the book Seeds of Destruction, The Hidden Agenda Behind Genetic Manipulation, and in there I maintain the thesis that the introduction uh, of GMO into the food chain, the human food chain, by three or four giant agribusiness companies, Monsanto, Syngenta, DuPont, uh, Dow Chemical, is part of the Rockefeller uh, Population Council, call it what you will, uh, zero population growth lobby uh, among certain powerful and wealthy elites to reduce population or a, a new form of eugenics, 
genetics, the genome project, all of this, genetic manipulation, GMO, is simply the new name of eugenics, the practice that the Rockefeller Foundation also funded in the 1920s up until uh, World War II in Nazi Germany. This is something most Americans, most Germans don't even know this. I'm uh, living over here, and most Germans are shocked when they hear that the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute in Berlin and Munich, who were doing race purification experiments with Nazi doctors, got their money right up until the outbreak of World War II when it became too embarrassing from the Rockefeller Foundation. Board members of the Rockefeller Foundation would come back to America and praise the Nazi eugenics, say, uh, we just talk about it, but the Nazis are doing it. Too bad they had to have such a bad press, because they're really doing the right thing. And I maintain that this uh, massive vaccination agenda in the developing world, at the very minimum, must be scrutinized absolutely rigorously, because uh, the Gates Foundation has a record of pumping vaccines onto developing countries, but the, the not just the vaccines onto developing countries, but vaccines in a context where Bill Gates himself made a speech. And this is the reason uh, that I sounded the alarm bell on this uh, recently, the article you referred to. Bill Gates talks about vaccines to reduce population. At the California TED 2010 conference, this is a very elite uh, invitation-only event that's held once a year in Long Beach, California. Uh, Bill Gates is a, is a regular at this conference, and certain people like Gates kind of spin out ideas for the future. And his speech this year, back uh, in January, was titled Innovating to Zero. And what he was talking about is we need a worldwide reduction of CO2 man-made emissions to zero by the year 2050. That's 40 years from now. And then uh, a few minutes into his talk, Gates says, first we got the problem of population. Today the world has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job, you know, the Gates has this persona of the all-American college kid with the uh, uh, scruffled hair and so forth. If we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health service, we lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. We lower population by 10 to 15 percent over the next four decades. Uh, he says that's certainly not enough, but he's talking about new vaccines to lower the population on the planet. And then I, uh, I uh, went into this a little bit, and uh, what I develop in the article and in uh, uh, other uh, written things that have appeared uh, in cyberspace over the last several years, is that the Gates Foundation is a founding member of the Global Alliance for Vaccination and Immunization in partnership with the World Bank, who is uh, one of the major backers of population reduction in the developing world, and the WHO, as well as the vaccine industry. They want, they say, Gavi, to vaccinate every newborn child in the developing sector. Well, it sounds very nice and noble, but uh, in many cases, it's been proven that untested and actually harmful vaccines are dumped onto third world populations when uh, OECD countries like uh, United States, like Canada, like Great Britain, like Germany, like Holland, today have tons of H1N1 so-called swine flu vaccines that quite fortunately for their health, uh, most of the populations uh, in the industrial world uh, didn't want to have anything to do with. So now they dump them as a quote unquote gift on the developing world. 
And the problem with all of these vaccines, all of them that, uh, that I've been able to research in, in the public record, is that they contain adjuvants, little kind of turbo boosters. And these adjuvants, as, as you know, Gary, are, are the real uh, devil in the deal because they contain uh, highly dangerous uh, paralyzing agents such as aluminum hydroxide, which is a nerve uh, paralytic, and uh, they contain uh, preservatives uh, that are mercury-based, and uh, those preservatives, mercury-based preservatives, uh, were considered uh, the probable cause of, of uh, an explosive epidemic of autism uh, in American newborn infants that were vaccinated within hours or, or months of their birth uh, back in the early 90s, such that they were vaccines with, with uh, mercury preservatives were taken off the market in the U.S., but not, not in the third world. So these are some of the questions that I think people like uh, Mr. Gates ought to answer uh, to a public forum. Why is he so concerned to give $10 billion over the next decade for children in the developing world? Why not give those $10 billion to have clean water supply? That would be the biggest health boost. Uh, flu vaccination is a non-item in the developing world. They they have diseases such as malaria and uh, uh, diseases uh, that are directly related to uh, impure water supply that, that could be rather economically uh, very much improved with a $10 billion grant. Uh, if he's really serious about the health and welfare of, of these developing country people, then uh, I would ask him uh, that question. I would agree. Uh, I had put this uh, out about five years ago to Bill Gates and Bill Clinton, both of whom have foundations that support the drug initiative against AIDS in Africa. And being very familiar with AIDS in Africa, my films, uh, five of the films I've done on AIDS, the latest one is shows AIDS in the lives of people in some 18 countries. All someone has to do is get a map of Africa. And you'll see that you have almost no AIDS in Algeria, uh, Morocco, uh, Egypt, all of which are in Africa. But when you go to sub-Saharan Africa, that's where you have your highest incidence. Well, what do you also have there? Well, you have mosquitoes, you have malaria. Mm -hmm. and, and right behind heart disease um, and malnutrition, you have malaria as a major killer. And then what do you see when you go into a population that has malaria? You see that they are more often than not drinking uh, polluted water. They do not have mosquito netting for their homes. So they're constantly at exposure that many people have malaria once or twice within a year. Mm. Their immune systems are chronically hit. They frequently suffer from a lack of medicines for tuberculosis, malaria, schistosomiasis, and other conditions. And they have um, either little or no clean water whatsoever and almost no proper disposal of, of um, human waste. Mm. Now, I suggested that it was simple. Take a village of 5,000 people put in a clinic that will treat the diseases that are normal in that area with the medicines that work best for that. Also put in uh, a well so that they have clean water, free of yep. arsenic or other contaminants. Put them in a septic system, large enough to accommodate the number of people in the village, and then help them with reforestation and also greenhouses that will grow microgreens from heirloom seeds that they can plant so they have 
a wide variety of produce that's available 12 months a year. Mm. Then, then give them nutri- nutrients from for their nutritional deficiencies. Every single yeah. person that has AIDS in Africa has multiple nutritional deficiencies. Now, well, they, isn't that the the WHO <clears throat> definition of AIDS in Africa, which is different from the definition of AIDS in the OECD? Yes, it, it is. All fits into the definition of diseases of malnutrition and and uh, uh, contaminated water supply toxins and so forth. You're correct. And here then was the problem. I said that I would feed myself out of my own pocket uh, 5,000 people. I would do a village myself. I would, mm-hmm. Everything I just mentioned, I'd build a clinic. I would put in a water well. I'd put in a, um, um, I would put in a nutritional program. I, would even, I even created a formula just for people with AIDS that contains all the nutrients they require and each container would be a month's supply, and I'd get six months' supply for each person. Then at the end of six months, you do a before analysis, a detailed health analysis, mm-hmm. and then at the end of six months, you do a detailed health analysis. And my hypothesis was that, based upon my experience of working with thousands of people with AIDS in New York, that you would see that there was no longer an AIDS epidemic because you had changed the underlying foundation of what's causing their immune system to crash. On the other hand, in those villages that get the AZT, DDI, DDC, the drugs, you would see an, a, a devastation in the life expectancy, and then they would say, well, thank goodness we got them the drugs earlier. There have been more deaths sooner. Now, <laughs> it, it, well, it, it the, was built. The pharmaceutical industry always has an argument. That's uh... Yeah, and, and, and that's what they did. I used to watch when they... I debated five MD-PhDs down at New York University Medical School. They said that AZT was the drug that we should be using. I said it's toxic. It was even too toxic to be used on terminal cancer patients. Well, if you have something that's too toxic to be given to a person that's terminal, why yep. would you give it every four hours or about thirteen to 1,500 milligrams to a person who is not terminal? And their argument well, that, that, that about AZT is, is widely uh, known in Europe. and uh, But not in uh, America. Hundre, uh-huh. Hundreds of thousands of people begin to die like flies. And yet the approach I was suggesting, rebuilding their immune system naturally, was completely poo-hooed. Well, I have 15 long-term survivors who had full-blown AIDS, didn't, uh-huh. didn't take the drugs, and today are alive and well. You can't find 15 long-term survivors who use AZT. And now there are 15,000 long-term survivors using natural techniques, but they get no media uh, respect ever. But the people advocating, mainly some of the gay uh, uh, fast-track groups that advocate for more drugs, get enormous money, millions upon tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars have been given to these um, put time on your side, take drugs. They get the money, so follow the money trail. In Africa, uh, the Gates Foundation gives money, but the Gates Foundation is also in the business in pharmaceuticals. They're in the business of saving uh, the genetically modified seeds. They promote them. So what yeah. you have is you have Bill Clinton declaring that AIDS was a national security initiative and therefore changing the rules of how it would be treated in countries like South Africa and the President Mbeki, who refused to take the drugs for his country persons, was then deemed irresponsible and an AIDS denialist. And he said, no. He said, we just have to clean up their lifestyle, et cetera. 
and help them for the disease they had. Then in Africa goes Al Gore to try to convince them, and then the World Trade or- uh, World Bank goes in. Oh, they put horrendous pressure on Mbeki, but I yeah. I know uh, some of the advisors to Mbeki, uh, and uh, they, t- they told the background of this is just, it's almost criminal what was done to... Well, it was criminal what was done, and if the world ever knew that what Bill Clinton and Al Gore did with the World Bank of pressuring Mbeki, and Mbeki would later state... Uh, that a lot of people died because of this. Now, here's my final question I'm going to throw back to you. Here's common sense. Let's forget science for a moment. South Africa is uh, a very large uh, populated nation. Now, if you, if you look um, in South Africa, you have four classes of people. And as been historical, they live in the areas that were once predominated by mainly the colonists and the wealthier uh, groups. So you're very wealthy, and I'm only talking now about black Afri- South Africans, mm-hmm. not Africanums, uh, not, uh, not the mixed race. You will see that your multinational corporate uh, people who live in the biggest estates, no AIDS, no HIV infection. Mm-hmm. Those who are in the mercantile class, the big business owners, they have their own area they live in, no AIDS, no HIV infection. Mm-hmm. The professional class, lawyers, doctors, engineers, architects, professors, uh, CPAs, no AIDS, no HIV infection. The working class bureaucrats, those who have a steady job, therefore can buy food, have a house, have clean water, get medical uh, supplies when they need it. No AIDS. No AIDS. School teachers, no AIDS. Then you have a giant field. It's about two miles across where they used to put all the... Uh, the uh, the material from the gold mines. Then mm. you then you have the largest shantytown ghetto in South Africa, where apartheid was really the focus. There you have AIDS. You don't have clean water. You don't have proper septic systems. You don't have mosquito netting. You don't have proper nutrition. There's massive malnutrition. There's a lot of infectious disease. Mm. And odds now I'm asking, how smart is a virus? that it'll know that you're too rich because you're either professional or bureaucrat, that you get a regular meal, so this not going to infect you. That is, to me, the best example of why this whole thing is a fraud. And yet, the pharmaceutical companies make astronomical amounts of money. Well, that's the point. That's there. the point, I think, right there. The, but there's two things. One, one is to create this... Uh, you know, I I have friends who who for years worked as uh, as nurses and healthcare uh, people in in uh, terminal AIDS with terminal AIDS patients in in uh, in Europe. And if AIDS, as as Robert Gallo insisted at the time, is the most dangerous disease on the face of the earth in human history because it jumps from monkeys to man or whatever he uh, was claiming at the time. Uh, why don't they get uh, infected and so it's 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 just it's there's so many uh not not just irregularities there just this this whole thing requires a top down uh independent evaluation independent of the pharmaceutical industry but uh i for one have been unable to find anywhere in the scientific literature a Picture, micro, uh, electron microscopic picture of an isolated HIV virus with the chemical and biological characteristics described 
from Gallo, not from uh, uh, Montier in, in uh, the Pasteur Institute in, in France, and yet Gallo is uh, reported to be making millions off of his HIV-positive test, a test that apparently uh, was rigged so that about 3% of the population, including every single woman who's uh, bearing child, every pregnant woman, will test HIV-positive, but she doesn't have anything uh, like what we know in the common press as HIV. It's not that every pregnant woman will test positive. It's that every pregnant woman must take the antibody test. <clears throat> and, yeah, yeah. And, okay, then. And I, and I just wanted to correct on that. Yeah, no, I, I stand corrected. And, but uh, and, the, the point is that the, the whole, it's like a, a religious uh, ideology that's been built around that, and millions of people have had their lives ruined by the condemnation, you test HIV positive. I think uh, the interesting case of Magic Johnson uh, is something that people ought to uh, uh, think about. The man, uh, so far as I know, refused uh, any of this AZT and so forth after he tested HIV positive. Uh, and uh, he's going around uh, campaigning uh, and uh, doing, so far as I last uh, checked, was was quite a healthy... Well, two separate issues. A, he has promoted the use of drugs, but that's because oh. he's a paid spokesperson. B, okay, one, of the, one of the very first people that was called by his top advisors when he was diagnosed with AIDS was me. And I gave him a whole comp, uh, complimentary protocol over the phone and then sent it to him mm-hmm. and told him not to use the AZT and all the reasons why and gave him all the research yeah. on it. In any case, what we're looking at is we're looking at that the pharmaceutical company is extremely wealthy. They dwarf any other industry on the Fortune 500. In fact, the top 10 pharmaceutical companies made more net profit last year than the other 490 on the Fortune 500 list. Mm. They'd even dwarf the oil cartels. So people don't realize the percentage of profit they make on their products. So when they, mm. they are giving a vaccine, more often than not, the vaccine is frequently subsidized by uh, governments. For example, we gave $2 billion for the one uh, company to make the H1N1. Now, there were no studies. I've written 15 articles on this challenging the safety and efficacy of the H1N1 and the flu vaccine as well as other vaccines. And uh, yet that didn't deter anyone. As long as someone's making money, follow the money trail, and you'll see constant allegiance of people that were at the FDA, head of the FDA, quitting the job and going to work as overseeing vaccination for one of the largest vaccine manufacturers in the world. Is that a conflict of interest? You bet I believe it is. But that's what happens. So now we're getting back to what you state. And I want you to finish your thoughts here on this. And I won't interrupt you. I want you to show us, explain to us, and document to us how the Rockefellers and other people of that stature, wealth and power, and their foundations have tried at different times, to have population control projects and how Gates, and including the Council on Foreign Relations and others, have been following now in the footsteps of these initiatives. Well, uh, let's turn to something uh, that has been very little reported, but uh, uh, an item in a, in a local uh, New York City ethnic newspaper back in May of, of uh, 2009 appeared about a get-together at the home of Sir Paul Nurse, uh, Nobel Prize-winning president of the Rockefeller University in New York. And it was a meeting that was called together by Bill Gates, 
David Rockefeller, who's now, I believe, 92 or 93, and Gates's co-donor to the biggest private foundation in the world, Warren Buffett, the, uh, the Oracle of Idaho. Uh, and they invited Ted Turner, the billionaire founder of CNN, who is on record in Audubon magazine saying that a 95% reduction of world population to around 300 million would be ideal. He changed that a little bit in 2008 and said, uh, I think at a Temple University in Philadelphia, he said, well, maybe 2 billion uh, would be okay, but that's a 70% reduction from today. And uh, Turner simply said, we have too many people. That's why we have global warming. We need less people using less stuff, and that's a direct quote. Well, this meeting in Manhattan, billionaire mayor Michael Bloomberg was there, uh, Peter Peterson, the billionaire uh, chairman of the Council on Foreign Relations, or the former head of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, something that's been dominated since uh, World War II by the Rockefeller uh, circles, uh, and a few other people thrown in for good measure, including Oprah Winfrey. They called themselves the Good Club. And what did they talk about, these, these financial uh, mavens? They didn't talk about how do we reorganize the world financial system so that uh, we get back on a stable footing and uh, we don't have a depression in the United States and in uh, other countries and so forth. No, they weren't at all concerned about that. They were concerned about global population growth. And that was the agenda, according to this report, uh, that appeared on the Internet. That was the agenda, and people can read the reference in my article, it's footnoted, uh, that was introduced by Bill Gates. Then in January at the TED 2010 speech in Long Beach, California, Gates talks about using vaccines to reduce population growth globally by 10 to 15 percent. So, And then he announces at the Davos World Economic Forum uh, uh, some days later, in the end of January, that Gates Foundation is giving $10 billion to vaccines in the developing world. Well, I think at least vigorous and aggressive uh, and honest investigative uh, researchers ought to dig into whether uh, there is, in fact, a direct connection between Gates' new vaccines that are going to reduce population and the fact that Gates Foundation is giving $10 billion for vaccines over the next decade in the developing world and the fact that the good club, so-called, of Gates, Rockefeller, and company uh, is concerned about population reduction as the biggest uh, task that we face. I think global warming is simply a cover for, for these elites of population reduction. Okay. Where have you uh, put your documentation so people can go and review this for themselves? This, uh, this can be found. The article that, uh, that we've been talking about uh, Bill Gates talks about vaccines to reduce population can be found in uh, a financial website called financialsense.com as one word financial sense uh, it'll be on my website uh, in a day or so it's www.engdahl.oilgeopolitics as one word o i l g e o p o l i t i c s .net Okay, my final question before we conclude our interview, and I want my audience to listen carefully to your answer, and then I'm going to open my lines for calls from people in the audience at 888-873-4643, 888-873-4643. When you speak of a 
cabal, a group of oligarchs, a group of very powerful and influential people, wealthy people, frequently sitting on multiple boards of different corporations. And their view is that they need a new world order. They need a one universal government, one universal set of laws. Many people, myself included, believe that this is totalitarian democracy and that it's, it's, uh, it's not being challenged by the left. If you mention a totalitarian uh, movement in the United States taking away our rights, our constitutional freedoms, you are derided, you are ridiculed, you're mocked by the conceited intellectuals on the left who believe there are no conspiracies. <laughs> All right. Then on, on oh, it's absolutely true. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I, what, I'm if you, laughing. If, if you want to watch a buffoon, the, the watch, crying. no, watch. If you really want to watch someone who is so in, I don't know how he can get away from a mirror in the morning. It's Keith Overman, and they deride and mock and ridicule anyone that protests anything as being a right wing teabag nut job. Well, I happen to have gone to the teabag movements. I happen to have listened to. A police officer who said that if he was asked to arrest Americans and put them into a detention camp because they were protesting mass inoculations or uh, of vaccines and someone chose to protest that, he would not arrest them. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That person would be considered irresponsible today. And yet there, I'm thinking, well, would I rather have a soldier refuse to arrest me or you because we chose to honor our freedom of choice and freedom, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, or to unthinkingly uh, just to arrest people because they were given an order to. I think it's an actually good thing when people actually st stop and say, I will honor the Constitution. But now if you even suggest that you're honoring the Constitution, you're considered, um, uh, you're to be marginalized because you're considered uh, unworthy of, of discussion. On the right, you do not ever see Sean Hannity or Bill O'Reilly even suggesting that wealthy individuals, including many corporate uh, CEOs, including those at Goldman Sachs or other places, have engaged in intentional manipulation of prices, of the market, of currencies, of controlling the body politic for their own means. Um, they, may, uh, they may feel uh, some contempt by some of the excessive actions in some cases but they never see this cabal. They never see this conspiracy. They never see these people as being uh, a problem. So both the right and the left have refused to acknowledge what the yeah. average American clearly knows, that totalitarianism yeah. is a growing and real menace in the United States. Your final yeah. thoughts on this? Well, this is, this is uh, the leitmotif of, of my new book, which will be out uh, available public in, in about two weeks, called uh, Gods of Money, uh, Wall Street and the Death of the American Century. And literally, you're talking about people like the heads of Goldman Sachs, uh, Citigroup, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and so forth. They view themselves, as uh, Lloyd Blankfein, the uh, CEO of Goldman, said recently, we are simply doing God's work. They view themselves as gods, and we are simply the ants that do the work uh, for these gods. And uh, that, to my mind, is not what the American constitutional uh, authors intended uh, the country to stand for. Well, there was a Pope Innocent III who had the same feelings, and he gave us the uh, he gave us a very bad name in the name of Christianity and the Crusades. We also had 
we had uh, George Bush say that God spoke to him. Uh, we better be careful <laughs> in that area. Thank you very much, William Indall. Thank you for having me, uh, Gary, and I enjoyed it very much. From Germany, William Indall, E-N-G-D-A-H-L.